on the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's a red moon rising on the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's an oil barge winding down the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. There's an oil barge winding down the Cuyahoga River, rolling into Cleveland to the lake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at @TalkBaseball with ones for L's. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. It's being released a little bit later than expected, but I had some stuff come up yesterday that just kept me away from the microphone. As I said before, my schedule is not going to be that strict. But we are here now. Obviously, we're going to have to start off with what's going on in the College World Series. We're going to talk about the Nationals rookie Juan Soto and how he made history the other day, kind of. And I brought up in my last podcast that I was going to be more in-depth with how catchers are the backbone of a baseball team. We're going to end it with a conversation with a catcher I know because I was never a catcher. I actually grew up a pitcher and I despise catching. Now I'm an outfielder. So let's get with it and go into Talk Baseball. Alright, if you guys aren't watching the College World Series, you need to start. Oregon State versus North Carolina Game 1. I truly believe that Oregon State is the best team in this tournament. However, they did fall to North Carolina in Game 1, 8-6. Now I'm going to be honest, it's not the way that I figured this game would go at all. I thought that this was going to be a for sure win by Oregon State. I even said that North Carolina better be happy that this isn't a one and done tournament. But baseball did its thing and proved me wrong. It showed to me that baseball can go any way in any direction. And there's no reason that North Carolina should have won that game. But they did. North Carolina scored five runs in the third on Oregon State's three errors. And Oregon State was never able to crawl out of the hole that they dug for themselves. Oregon State kicked the crap out of Washington in the first round of the elimination bracket to send them home. That happened, so that was good for Oregon State. Oregon State now has to beat the loser of North Carolina, Mississippi State, and then beat the winner of that game twice to go into the World Series. This is why the first game is such an important win in this tournament, because now they have to play three games in three days to make it to the World Series and then turn around and play three more games in three days after one day of rest. Pitching-wise, that is a monstrosity, and it'll be really impressive if Oregon State can run their pitching staff that deep. Now, I won't be all that surprised if Oregon State is able to come back and win this whole thing, but it will be impressive. Now, I don't want to take anything away from North Carolina winning that first game, but Oregon State did give them the game, and North Carolina took it with open arms. When it panned to Pat Casey's face, he's the head coach at OSU if you didn't know that, in the third inning, it showed truly how disappointed he was in the team after three errors. Now, I've never seen Pat Casey's face look so disappointed in all my years of watching college baseball. Now let's talk about Arkansas, Texas. 
I was wrong in this prediction too. I thought Texas was going to beat Arkansas. Apparently I was really wrong. Nolan Kingham, he didn't have his best stuff on Sunday. He gave up five earned runs and five innings pitched. Texas fell to Arkansas 11-5 and will be playing Florida at 2 p.m. on the 19th, which is today. Now Texas Tech versus Florida. Texas Tech surprised the world when they beat Florida in game one, 6-3. In case you forgot, Florida won it all last year, and now they have to climb their way out of the loser's bracket along with Oregon State to try and win the whole thing. Now, I didn't actually watch this game, so I do not have a whole lot of insight on this game, but I personally felt like Florida was going to win. All in all, college baseball surprised the hell out of me this week, as it has been in these past couple of weeks. From Oregon State losing, which I never would have called, I would have lost a lot of money on that bet, to the reigning champs, Florida, getting beat by Texas Tech. I was not disappointed in college baseball this week. I might have been disappointed in the outcomes, but I wasn't disappointed in watching it. However, something I was disappointed to watch was Juan Soto go deep and beat the Yankees in the game that got postponed by weather. Now, yesterday, Juan Soto did something truly amazing in the world of baseball. Juan Soto technically hit a home run in the majors five days before his big league debut. Let that sink in for a second. Doesn't make sense? Okay, well, let me explain it to you. On May 15th, the Nationals were playing the Yankees, and they got delayed by weather. Soto then made his major league debut on the 20th. Then yesterday, on June 18th, Soto pinch hit in the makeup game for the game postponed due to weather, which means that technically Juan Soto hit a 433-foot bomb five days before his big league debut. As cool as that is, it shouldn't be allowed. You should only be allowed to play the players that are on the original lineup card and were on the active roster on the date of the start of the game. That just makes... That's just common sense that you can only play the people that are on your original lineup card. If you, How is it okay that Juan Soto can come into the game in the ninth inning when he wasn't even on the active roster when the game started? That doesn't even make any sense. I'm not okay with the fact that, they were a, that the MLB allowed Juan Soto to hit in this spot. Obviously, there aren't any rules against it or there would be an uproar, but I don't agree with it. It's really cool that Juan Soto was able to hit a 433-foot home run before his Major League debut. That's something that not many people do, if anybody has ever done. So that's really cool, but I still don't feel like he should be allowed to play in that game, and the Yankees should have won. Now that my rant about Juan Soto is over, let's move on to something that I was talking about last week, how catching is the backbone of any baseball team. From Little League to the pros to Sunday Ball Men's League, a good catcher is needed to have a good team. Now, I was never a catcher. I mentioned this before. I was a pitcher. So to truly understand this, we have to talk to a catcher who has been doing it their whole life. The guy I have on the phone graduated from high school in Las Vegas as a first-team All-Southern Nevada catcher and then went on to play college ball, but some injuries kept him from continuing to play the game. He's still one of the most baseball-smart catchers that I know, Cody Schmidt. Okay, I'm currently on the phone with Cody Schmidt, so how's it going, Cody? Oh, just another day, living the life. That's how it is sometimes. Yeah, it's repeating every day. So, I just kind of wanted you to explain to me and the listeners the importance of having a great catcher on your team. Uh, well, there's a lot of different assets that come with having a good catcher. One, um, I think from a pitching staff, uh, you know, area, coming from you being a pitcher, 
Yeah. Um, you know that the catchers are are made to know the pitcher inside and out. Know what he's know what he's throwing that day. What's on. What's off. What he can throw in each situation. And I know a lot of times it goes it falls on the pitcher for that. But yeah. there's always a game plan that it, that a catcher has. Well, I do and, know there are I, plenty of times that catchers have saved my butt out on the mound. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and it goes unnoticed, and that's just part of the job. Um, one thing that, that I think we kind of get a bad rep for is if one thing goes wrong, the whole it'll, it'll blow up into a bigger situation rather than if a pitcher misses a spot on the inside compared to the outside. You can usually get away with that. If a catcher misses a block with the runner on first, there's no way that you can make up for it unless there's, like, you know, something crazy that happens where it kicks off an umpire or something. So I think that there's a magnitude that's different and there's a perfection that's expected. That is very true. It's um, So going back yeah. to, you know, having a, a good catcher um, or even a great catcher, one thing I was looking up, uh, earlier yesterday when I saw it on TV, I was watching the Cardinals with Yachty, who's obviously one of the best catchers in the game. And um, they said that the reason the Cardinals pitching st- starting pitching staff has such a low ERA, which is second in the MLB right now behind the Astros, um, is because there's nobody trying to steal. There's nobody advancing bases unless you put someone in motion and there's a potential out. Yeah. So you're either trying to bunt them over or hit and run, and then if you miss the hit and run, then you're risking it out. Um, so they said there's, based on the statistics, Yadier Molina has half the steal attempts against him than any other catcher in the MLB. Which is crazy because he's so old. Yeah, especially he's... since if you watch him, he sits so low with runners on. He knows that, you know, he can show it off in between innings. He can do whatever he can. You know, he keeps everything in front blah, 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 all that, that stuff. But there's a certain respect I think people have for him that he is so quick and violent behind the plate with his throw down to second base or third base or, you know, just anywhere that there's just some respect for that to a point where now he's controlling the run game along with the pitcher. And I think that's a huge part of catching that's not understood Yeah, is that pit, pitchers can control, you know, a run game to a point. But if you don't have a good catcher, it doesn't matter if your slide steps, you know, sub whatever you need to be to home plate. And if your catcher is not quick enough behind the plate, you're giving up five, six steps per, you know, per transfer, per throwdown. It's an extra 10 steps to get to second base. So if you don't have, if you don't have a guy behind the dish that can chuck it a little bit, or at least be quick enough with his feet and his hands and, you know, can stay back and receive, then all of a sudden the run game becomes a factor. Now instead of having, you know, you give up a walk and all of a sudden now instead of being at first base only, now they're at second no matter what. Yeah. So now you're working out of a scoring position. Then you got to do some other things where you might have to intentionally walk somebody to get first and second. Now you have two runners on, you make one mistake as a pitcher to run score, you know? Mm. So I think a big part of it too is just controlling that run game, learning when to back pick. You know, if you have all these all these assets as a catcher, I think it's a huge influence, and there's a mutual respect that comes not only from players but also also from umpires. Yeah. I, I see so what you're now, at. yeah. So now, once you've got the respect from the players and the umpires, now you can start expanding the zone out, up, in, down. 
and you know if you're quiet with your movements instead of aggressive and all this if Yachty frames a pitch you know that somebody else that doesn't have the same rep frames he's probably going to get that call more often than not because he has a mutual respect of being the greatest catcher in the game he doesn't show people up he doesn't sit there and hold it and then wait for a call he sits there and if he holds it and doesn't get it then he throws it back right away so there's there's just a lot of things that go into being a great catcher that are little that are more than just you know blocking receiving throwing like yeah there's just so many different assets and and i'm sure you know as a pitcher there's a lot of different things other than you know just throwing the ball over the plate and mixing up your pitches and your looks to being a pitcher well not so much you just kind of throw it and hope well, yeah, you're, you're, you're hucking it, and you got to make sure that you get it in a certain spot. But at the same point, like, you know, you got to have faith in the dude behind the plate to make the right call. And occasionally, you'll, you oh, know, yeah. you'll see people shaking off catchers because they feel better in this situation. But one thing that I think, you know, that kind of gets skewed in, the, in everything is that if you have a coach that calls pitches, and this is this is really personal for me because I've always had, except for maybe two or three coaches that call pitches. And the one thing that kind of messes with that is that there's no feedback from the catcher. And a lot of times, you know, if you're throwing – we've talked about this before. If you're throwing a ball consistently on the outside part of the plate the first time through the lineup and you're getting everybody out, it's probably going to work. But mm-hmm. if you're getting through the second time in the lineup, you don't – the coaches don't see the person that – took a step closer to the plate or took a step, you know, closer in the box to read that off speed pitch. Like you just don't see the coaches don't see that, uh, that adjustment. Yeah. So now you're just thrown into his honey zone where he can put a good swing on it, make good contact. And now you're either speeding up, slowing his bat based on you throwing in the same spot. Mm -hmm. So So I think as a catcher, you also, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, you can continue that thought. Keep that going. Okay, so the only thing that I have to say about that is that, you know, the catcher needs to learn how to call a game because you can see those adjustments more clearly than a coach can because if I'm standing 30 feet away from home plate trying to call pitches, yeah, you know, I struck him out on this pitch earlier, but it's not going to work the second time through if he's a decent hitter. Now, if he, once you get on from high school and move on, that's when this kind of goes into play because high school you can usually find a hole and sit there for a while for a couple of days. Yeah, but if if you're in college, you, I mean, you just kick someone's butt all day. The next day, they're going to come out and make an adjustment, and now they're going to go three for four, and that might be the the changing point of that game, mm-hmm. or they found a tendency, or you know, the being with being a catching guy and kind of understanding what you're trying to do, you have to know what like what you need to call next you, you know everybody calls baseball the game of chess or the game of you know being one step ahead of everybody that can only happen if you can see the adjustments that other people are making and you can't do that from 30 feet away in the dugout yeah so i was going to ask you what a good model would be for young cut catchers to learn from in the league but it sounds to me like you were going to say yadier molina I would say Yachty. I would also say uh, Buster a little bit after his post-injury with his collision at home plate because mm-hmm. um, he's, he's cleaned a lot of things up since then. I think it's kind of forced him to, to figure out to be more um, fundamental, and I think yeah. that helps a lot. The one person I wouldn't idolize is, uh, what is it, Salvador Perez. 
Is that his name? The catcher yeah, for, the for the Royals. Royals? Yeah, I would. I, I mean, he's just slow. He's lazy. That's just one person that I wouldn't. I wouldn't emulate when he's catching. Yeah, he's a Gold Glover and all this other stuff. But also, I mean, stolen base attempts are up against him. He blocks mm-hmm. lazy. You can get away with taking an extra base. Yeah, he's going to make the block. He's going to have no errors on his throws. But that extra base is very open. And with Posey and Yachty, I don't think that happens as often. Even with them aging to where they're almost at retirement, mm-hmm. you can still see that there's just a difference when people go to that ballpark or when they're playing the Giants or the Cardinals. You know, there's just a different approach to trying to move runners around. Yeah, a lot of small ball. Yeah, a lot of small ball, a lot of giving the other team an out rather than advancing yourself. Now, okay, to move on from that, I don't know if you listened to my last podcast, but I did bring up running over the catcher. I feel like it should be legalized and – a lot okay. of catchers that I talk to have very different viewpoints. So what are your thoughts on legalizing the running over catching catchers? Um, I think it should be legalized to a point. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me is that if you're in the act of catching the ball at home plate, I think that's the only time a runner shouldn't be able to, you know, make a, make impact. Mm-hmm. Um, because one, it's just like hitting a defenseless receiver in the NFL. You know, it's kind of like he's not in a position to protect himself. And I think that's where this play starts to get dangerous. I got you. Um, and, and I would think that after a catch is made or if, you know, there's a, the, the play's stopped and, you know, there's a cutoff, I think there's a point where you need to be able to, you know, we need to go back to the old school baseball, hard nose, you know, red nose, red ass, all this stuff. Can I say that? Yeah, you can say and, that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so like you know you need to get in this you need to get in this feel of like old school you know we're pussifying everything. Yeah. So I think I I get the respect you know for the whole the rule changes after Buster Posey breaks his leg, but at the same time you know it wasn't in the act of making a catch. So I have I, I have no remorse for what happened. Yeah, it's unfortunate the dude was in his prime. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think it needs to be totally taken out because one, now you're making runners, you know, redirect, which if they can do if the catch is in the act of making the making the catch because they're not gonna catch and tag at the same time. So if you're mm. if you're gonna make a collision with a guy at that point, yeah, you might advance the runner a little bit more, but at the same time you're putting the catcher at risk for a career ending injury, which luckily Posey's wasn't with that break of his femur. Yeah, that was crazy. But but at the same point, you have enough time to redirect there without injury. Now, if a catcher, you know, puts both knees down in front of the plate, gives you a sliding lane, now you have to redirect to a certain spot that the catcher is, you know, dignified as a, as a spot that he's going to put his tag down. Now, all of a sudden, you know, that, that takes away from the, the sportsmanship, I think, of the game, where now the catcher is dictating where you have to slide. Instead yeah. of the old school, you know, slide in the catcher's knee, take him out, blah, 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 blah. Now you got to avoid contact. You got to do all this other stuff. If the catcher's blocking the plate, he has enough sense to protect himself if he does it the right way. Yeah. And which and, Posey you know, did not, correct? No. So, yeah. So if you look at Posey, I was watching the video a little earlier today because, um, you know, I when I heard the podcast yesterday about, you know, the, the collision thing, I, it brought me back to it. And um, 
I was looking at, and I took some notes just in case, you know, we ended up talking about it. Um, the first thing that I saw was that he wasn't in um, the act of – he was sort of in the act of catching the ball, but the ball came into the glove and then ricocheted out as he turned towards home plate. So that point is where you can start to protect yourself. So I don't think it was a dirty hit. I don't I think feel, it was. I, I don't. Dirty. I don't think. I don't think it was malicious. I don't think any of that. One, you can tell because the runner comes up and he doesn't, you know, like gloat or put it in his face or you know, he yeah. legitimately felt bad that Posey was down on the ground. Yeah. So there's a couple things that that get me to that point. One, he's in a bad position catching the ball. He needs yes. to be in front of the plate instead of in line with the plate with the middle of his body. Um, by doing that, you avoid all confrontation with the runner if, that, if you miss the ball like that happens. Now, if you're taking the ball and you're turning, one, I hate the right knee drop instead of the left knee drop because the left knee can swing around if you get hit. And if you yep. watch him, he drops the right knee like he's supposed to, but then he drops his left and he's facing straight up the line with his whole body. Yeah, I noticed. So that. there's, so there's only a couple things that can give. One, obviously your femur, like his did. Yeah. Or two, it's going to be your back. So there's nothing that gives at that situation. The reason that people teach the, you know, the drive the knee down in front of the dish is because if you fall over, your weight is fit, is facing forward and to the left instead of up the line and forward. Yeah. You know. So now if you get hit you're just going to topple over to the left. You're going to have to, you know, land on your arm, which isn't that big of a deal at that point. But yeah. none of your weight is going up the line and nothing is facing up the line at that point other than probably your foot because your foot can give back and forth. Now, if you're on your knee, your knee doesn't pop up and go back. If you try and move it back with your knee, it doesn't work. Yeah. There's just too much muscle there to, to have that flexion with your hip. But your foot has a little bit of muscle and too joints where it can you know move back and up so that'll give it the, the give and go buster posey was just in a bad position and at the wrong time he find it, it, it got exposed to an extreme where you don't hope that ever happens but that's where this rule change comes from is from that and and you know it's, it's unfortunate that a, a guy was in the wrong spot in the wrong position at the wrong time all three of those things come together you know but at the same time, I think that's a huge teaching point for kids is that now if we're going to start bringing back collisions because there was a collision two or three days ago, maybe last yeah. week. Yeah, there was. At home plate. And that one was because he was up the line, which I think that's all fair game anyways. I think if you get pulled up the line, you need to have enough feel as a catcher to know that you're not in the line of, you know, the three-feet line of a, where a runner can go. Yeah. I think that's just a feel thing. And you know what? If you're going that far up the line, you probably need to just let the ball go anyways because you're not going to get an out and the pitcher should be behind you. Mm. And, and yeah. you know, there's, there's, a, there's a point where this becomes unsafe for everybody if the catcher doesn't do any – if the catcher isn't doing his job right, it also becomes unsafe for the runner because now yeah. the runner's running full speed, maybe incidental contact. Now all of a sudden you're hitting a bunch of gear with your – without protection other than your helmet now all of a sudden you're looking at shoulders knees you know banging knees together you know hitting getting a hip like getting a hip extension there's just just a lot of things that go into doing that play right to keep everybody safe 
Well, yeah, all in all, I feel like we should bring it back, obviously, to an extent, because we can't just allow people to be hitting each other and expect the MLB to go in any forward direction. Yeah, Um, yeah, and I... I, Yeah. To go... Go ahead. Yeah, and I, I... I just feel like that, to an extent, needs to be back. And I think there's a lot of things in the game of baseball right now that's just ruining the old school game. Yes, I think the commissioner is just ruining baseball. Ruining baseball. Like, it's, it's, it's not fun for people that grew up with the hard-nosed Pete Rose, you know, obviously before my time. But yeah. Pete Rose, you know, all these people that played hard-nosed baseball can't do it anymore. Like, I get the whole not sliding out of the base path to take out a second baseman with fucking – Chase Utley's slide in the uh, playoffs, that was dirty. Yeah, I'll take that as dirty, and you shouldn't be able to do that, and that guy should have been done for the rest of the year. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, you know, uh, we need to take some of that that leeway and bring it back. Yeah. So. Well, that's all the time we have right now. So you'll definitely be on the podcast another time. But right now, thank you so much for – being on and talking with us about catching because I was never a catcher and I hated it. <laughs> Just so you know, catch, most catchers hate most of it too. So. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yep. No problem. I will uh, talk to you later for sure. All Can't right. wait to be back on. Perfect. Now that's all we have for you today. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Baseball. Last podcast, I mentioned a schedule saying that I'd have podcasts out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but I also said that I won't be very strict. Obviously, it's not very strict considering today's Tuesday. I'm going to try to have around three podcasts a week. That's going to be a little bit more strict than the Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing, but it's still not going to be set in stone. If you have any responses, you can tweet at us at, at TalkBaseball with ones for L's. If you enjoyed the podcast, go ahead and give it a follow. Also, if you enjoyed the podcast, there's a couple of other episodes up on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And go ahead and give that a follow as well. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Talk Baseball. Can make you burn